About five years ago, something happened. Let's see if this works back behind me. You know, Tim and I, uh, we kind of worked through this whole process and uh, became pastors, at least in theory, uh, five years ago. It was in the spring of the year we went through this whole candidating process. I flew out and Tim and I spent a week out here, about a week, right? That's about right. And so on August 12th, 2008, I got, I had already loaded up a Penske truck, you know, those big Penske trucks. I loaded one up and got a trailer behind it with my, my Buick, you know, my other Buick. I've had two since I've lived here. They're not that new, so they, you gotta go through them a few times. And we got in the, we got in the Penske, I got in the Penske and drove across Michigan and then Ohio and then across, down the turnpike and got here. I don't know what time it was. It was dark. It was late. And I was by myself. And it was kind of one of those moments. Shelby and the kids were coming the next day. And I parked. I, I didn't even know where I was going to park the truck, you know. I had no plans for that. So I ended up parking out behind the Elliott's Barns across the street from the church. Just kind of pulled in there and called Jay Deering and said, hey, I'm here. <laughs> and he said, well, good. Where are you? I'll come pick you up. And that was it, you know. And in Pennsylvania, we were. Now, that whatever that sounds like to you, first pastorate, um, you know, it's a big deal for pastors. You know, the average pastor spends about two years in a church. That's something, isn't it? We've been, Tim and I have been here five years. That was August 12th. We celebrated our five-year anniversary. Uh, Tim and I have an anniversary with Parker Ford. Isn't that nice? You know, we haven't, yeah. Um, you can laugh at that. It was meant to be funny, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the average pastor, I think about the average youth pastor lasts about 10 months in a church. And the average pastor in a career will spend 10 years as a pastor, and then he will go work for the IRS or sell insurance or cars or something, but he will find another occupation. Um, and, you know, the fact that we've been here five years, I'm not looking for anybody to clap for me for that. I, I think it's really a great blessing um, that God has worked in our church that way. And I just think it, it's one of those things maybe that needs to be said. Tim, Tim said something about it last week, and it's just a huge, gracious blessing. When I came here, I, you know, you have so many expectations. I, you read the books, and you kind of have this thought process that people are just going to, you know, grow. It's going to develop. It's going to take off. I, I kind of think this about my kids. I think I'm going to tell them what to do, and they're going to do it. But then they don't do it. You know, and that's how it is with God and being a dad. He tells us what to do, and he tells us that it's going to take time to do things, and we have these kind of expectations that are different. I was, I, I really like trees and plants and stuff like that. And this past week, I was reading about the giant sequoias in the Pacific Northwest. Have you ever seen these trees? They're, they grow to be over 50 feet in diameter. The, the oldest ones of them, and they grow over to be 300 feet tall. And the, the earliest ones of them, or the longest lasting ones, they, they probably date back to King David's era. 3,000 years it's taken to grow one of those trees. And, you know, I, I actually Google imaged, I just put in a cross-cut sequoia, and I was afraid of what I'd see because, you know, you don't want to see a tree get lapped over that's 3,000 years old, right? I mean, it took God 3,000 years to make this thing. And then somebody with a chainsaw in one afternoon, maybe it's a few people with chainsaws, but they, they and down they go. But I, I Googled them, and you can see all of those rings. You know what I'm saying? The rings that every year has a ring, and it just keeps going. It started out just little, and now it, this thing is taller than I am, laying on its side well, well taller than I am. And it just kind of made you sad thinking about that tree. And then I thought back about how when I came here, I thought things would just kind of sprout, you know. 
Dave Willer has got one of those T-shirts on, the Parker Ford Teach or Parker Ford Church T-shirts, and they, it has like this leafy canopy, you know. And I just kind of thought it grow like that. And instead, you know, we watched God put together a church, and it, He's still doing it, adding layers and layers and layers and layers. We had a. I grew up in a in a interesting place. There's a bamboo forest in my backyard. This is true in Michigan. I know you'd think that's not China. In Michigan, in bamboo, we had forts in our bamboo because it grows up every year. And it just, those little sprouts, you'd see them in the spring and they'd just grow and they'd be eight feet tall by midsummer. And we could lop down pieces of those. My mom could never find us in there. It was a great place to hide and hang out with my brother and we had a great time. But, you know, I think that's what I kind of thought of as pastoral ministry. But, you know, God has had to show me, as I think he's shown many people, maybe you, that he grows not short and quick, but long, prolonged development. Like a sequoia tree just developing year after year after year takes centuries and millenniums, but eventually he gets going where he's going. My expectations are that God just wants to, you know, take off. He wants to use my words to do what nobody's words ever do, and that's to, to, to make somebody just personally grow spiritually. Instead, it takes a long time, and it takes a huge amount of his blessing, and it takes failure and mercy and grace and forgiveness and healing and all of those different things. But after five years, it's been great, you know? Brian Elliott is a dairy farmer in our first service. He used to be a dairy farmer. He doesn't have dairy anymore. But he once told me, he said, you know, it's like, it's like milk and cows, Josh. You know, that's how Ron talks. It's like milk and cows, and I'm going... Oh, it is? You know, I didn't know anything was like milk and cows. I haven't done a lot of that. And he says, no, you know, the days are long and the years are short. That's really true. That's what church is a little bit about. I'm going to pray and lead into our service, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're talking about, look who's growing up in those trees. Just, you know, the thought of our church growing and what's going on and what God's doing here is one of those things that's just been on my heart. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But before we do, I want to pray. And I want to thank God because I think he's done a good job of growing us, wouldn't you say? He's been doing things, and it hasn't always been comfortable maybe for you. I don't know where you've been at, but God has been growing us, and I think we need to thank him for that. I also want to lift up the, the Kingston family. Rob lost his dad yesterday morning. Rob lives right here in this neighborhood, and his dad's been very sick with cancer, and he died about 4.30 yesterday morning, and the service will be Wednesday, I guess. But uh, we just need to lift them up. So join me in prayer, and then we'll move on. God, I just thank you because your grace has been so, so powerful in our church, and I love the fact that you have disappointed me. Over and over again, I've wanted things to grow fast, and they would have been weak and blown over in a tough wind if they if they would have. I would have loved for, you know, things to develop in ways that would have made me more comfortable, and yet you are a good God, and you are a wise God, and you are a God who restrains us and who holds us, holds us back, and yet blesses us with the best possible outcome. And so this morning, as we look at a couple verses, and as we look at what you're doing, God, we just pray that you would receive all honor from us, and we would thank you. We thank you that five years later, half a decade, Tim and I are both still here. We thank you for the fact that there are other people on our staff. We think of Josh and Dave and others, God. We thank you for the people who contribute every week to worship or to AV or to volunteering or just to prayer ministry, which is one that nobody probably hears about, but there's people who attend one prayer group every week or every other week. Just ask him for your blessing for this place. And God, what a gift those people are. And we thank you because I have the sense that you're growing something much larger than we probably know we're a part of. 
And so, God, I thank you for that. We pray for the Kingstons, and we pray for your blessing in their life as they grieve the loss of Don. I thank you for the fact that he knew you, and I just thank you for, for the fact that you kind of walked them through. I watched you walk them through that last day, and I saw your handiwork in that situation in a moment when nobody else can touch. Uh, you, were, you were so good. You were so kind to us, and so thank you, God, for that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're just going to walk through very quickly just some of the things that I think we're looking at in 2013 and 14. Just, you know, this is the second of our rally day uh, weeks, and we're going to look forward to what God is doing in our church. These are kind of things I'm praying for, and Emily read the, the opening scripture for us, but I'm going to reread it in snippets. It says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Did you ever think that every person on this earth or every family of people is named for God. I mean, he created us in his image, right? He created us to look a little bit like him. And that doesn't necessarily mean physically. We kind of went our own way on this, but God created families and he put his DNA on those, those, those families, on those kids. You know, Noah, my son, is six years old and I was watching him. We went to Hershey Park yesterday and he's so skinny. I don't know if you've seen that kid. He is just, I mean, I look at pictures of me when I was six, and I look at pictures of him, and they're almost identical. I have a hard time telling which one's me and which one's him, except for the age photography. You know, they didn't have anything digital back then. Um, But we look like the same people. We're DNA connected, right? And God called us as a family to be connected to him. God is building like a giant sequoia. He's building a family. I love to think about the fact that Thousands and thousands of years ago, when the the human race was getting started, God knew that he was going to birth a family called Parker Ford Church and that he was going to add to it. And it was going to be through these kind of strange situations that we were going to be built. Some of them painful, some of them just absolutely gracious and obvious, and some of them more subliminal and, and under the surface. But God has been working. And he said, I want to make my kids look like me. Now, different than my kids, you know, who physically look like me, we actually have to grow in Christ in order to look like him. And one of the things I'm praying for for this year is that we would grow connected with the Father in a way that we just don't often do. You know, it takes a lot of time for us to spiritually get connected in our hearts with God. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, actually talks about this and says, you know, we need to be uh, like, a, like a branch connected to a vine. And if you get disconnected, it, it won't work out. Your DNA will look like something else. It will look different. You may be somehow in Christ, but it will be very, very different than somebody who's walking with Jesus daily and being transformed to look like Jesus. And we grow more and more and more to look like Christ every day if we're walking with him. Shelby and I took uh, a week last year, and we went to Utah, just the two of us. First time we've been away, I think, in 11 years um, without the kids for any length of time. I think we've had a night away or two here and there. But we went for a week, and we read this book called The Good and Beautiful God. And we read it straight through the two of us in the week, and we discussed it. We had, like, little Bible study time every day. And it was just wonderful to talk about this thing, but it challenged us. It questioned us. It said, are you putting into your spiritual life what is required in order to walk with the Father. And I came away with thinking, no, I'm not. And I'm actually, you know, paid to do, I'm a professional, right? And if I can't do it, how hard is this? And it walked through all of these disciplines that we needed to have as a part of our life in order to walk with God daily and to stay consistent in our walk with him. And it was really really challenging. Shelby and I came away challenged, and we actually led our journey group on that this past 
I think this past spring we led the group on that. And one of the things that we came away with is we thought about all the times that the people in our group, including Shelby and I, had received professional help. Maybe we'd seen a counselor or maybe we'd seen our pastor at the time. And we'd gone through different moments where we were going, we need somebody to look in on our lives and go, okay, what's going on? Why are things not where they need to be? And every time we came away with the fact that we'd just gotten disconnected from God. You know, and the interesting thing is we're trying to replace the connection with God with help from outside with people who are going to advise us in how to get reconnected with God. And yet this book was kind of reminding us that if you're not going to constantly walk with God, you're going to have these feelings. I don't mean to beat you up, but my prayer request for this year is that we grow to have the heart and mind of our Father. It's some churches have a really loving or a really good chance at growing in the mind of God. They know what to believe. But do they have the heart? Do they know, do we know how to respond to people who are different than us, who are, who are maybe having some problem in their life? Do we have the heart and mind of Christ? Do, and spiritually, I'm praying that we give of our time this year in a way that enables us to grow that sequoia, grow the, the, the person around us. Now, I want you to just for a second look across the room, Okay. I just, you, you know, you're looking at me, right? Don't look at me anymore. If you're looking at me, you're doing something wrong. The first service, they just bombed at this. They could not do it. I, I said, okay, look across the room. You've got to pick one person out, only one, okay? Now, just think about this for a second. We're all supposed to walk with Jesus. That person you're looking at, you're dependent on their spiritual life to some extent or other. Isn't that scary? You're looking at some weird people, right? I mean, honestly, if you're looking up here, you're looking up at a weird person. I mean, we're weird people, and we're spiritually dependent on one another. What God is doing in that person across Parker Ford Church's auditorium is actually, that what he's doing over there is actually important for your life. And what he's doing in here is actually important for everybody else out here. It's a family, according to this passage, right? It says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That means that every component, every piece of that family is important. And what God is doing inside of every person's heart is making a a difference in everybody else's heart. Do we know that? At, At Parker Ford, we came up with a booklet a few years ago. It's called Personal Practices in Pursuit of God. We publish this. It's no cost. We, we publish it means we printed it on our church copier. And anybody can have one. They're sitting on the fellowship. You can take this and go home. It walks with you. H- how do I walk with Jesus? And it doesn't mean how do I come to know Christ. It means how do I walk daily with him? What are the disciplines? How do I get up in the morning and begin a worshipful walk with him and get my heart, which is going, oh, my goodness, I don't want to get out of bed. How do I get that heart to actually praise God? That's a real distance for me. I don't know about for you. In the morning, praising God is like, ugh. Really? i got to praise God this morning? I, don't, I can't praise anything. I'm just mad the coffee's not already made, you know? And we have this, like, need to, to get ourselves from that point and get engaged with God. It takes, like, being jump-started, like those jumper cables on your car in a cold morning in the winter, right? That's where we're at. And so for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family. Let's get connected. Let's let 2013 and 14, this next whole calendar year from rally day to rally day, let's let that be a year. This be a year when we are absolutely connected to the Father, where we're contributing our time, our effort. Grab one of these booklets. If you need another book or a different type of book, realize that your spiritual life, whether you're worshiping Jesus or not, whether you're reading the Word or not, whether you're praying or not, whether our, our disciplines book that Shelby and I read and our journey group read, it said, how many times do you get enough sleep in a week? 
who gets enough sleep in the 21st century? You know, we talked as a group about it. Nobody gets enough sleep. You know, it's rare. A couple people said they did, but most of us have trouble going to bed early enough because we got so much to do, and then we got to get up, and we're, we can't read the Word. We fall asleep when we read the Word. And they said, well, just go to bed one night. That was one of the disciplines. I, I loved that discipline, by the way. I said, Shelby, this means that on Friday night I'm going to bed. And just, you know, we're not doing all that other stuff. We're just, I'm going to be asleep. Just leave me alone. She said, What's going to happen to the laundry? What's going to happen? Nope, we're going to bed, you know? This year, seriously, do what it takes to get connected with Jesus, whatever that means, okay? Seriously think, what is before me that's more important than my relationship with Christ? That's the first thing. The second thing I'm praying for is that we listen. In this verse that Emily read for us, it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This verse, in short, tells us that the other people in our life are critically important, but along that way it says that our development as people and our inner being spiritually, that's transforming. It's important. This past year, Along this line, I had a less, uh, I don't know, this is a moment I don't want to tell you about, but I think I should. I had a moment in a, in a meeting where Harry Yeager, the head of our deacons board, told me afterwards, he says, you need to learn to listen. Do you know Harry? If you know Harry, this, this has some weight to it, okay? When Harry tells you something, you listen. And I was going, I don't want to listen to Harry. But I thought, okay. So I asked our elders about this, and Jay Deering said to me, he said, no, I, I've been praying that you'd learn to listen. Now, you know, if, if I only heard it from Jay, it would not have sunk in probably, you know, or if I'd only heard it from Harry, but the two of them. So then later on in the summer, I had this moment with my kids, and they came home from school, and uh, they were sitting around the table, and I said, okay, I want to ask you a question. How can, and Shelby wasn't there because she would have messed this up bad. I didn't, need, I didn't want to have her with me at all. I said, how do I, how do I be a better parent for the three of you kids? This is a dangerous question. And Maggie, God bless her, the middle one, eight years old, she's cuter than Jay and Harry combined, there's no question. And she looked at me and she said, Dad, you could listen to us more. You know, I started to cry. I really did. I I teared up. I thought, you know, I am not a good listener. And I realized that I need to learn to listen. Along with being connected with the Father God, we need to learn to listen. And I actually, we've gone around and done some things as a part of that. I've started to listen and go, okay, that's the Holy Spirit talking, not just Harry Yeager. Harry doesn't look much like the Holy Spirit, you know. Uh, not just Jay Deering, he doesn't look like the Holy Spirit. Even Maggie, as cute as she that's not. The Holy Spirit is working behind those scenes, and he's talking to me. We started to look at how we, we do deaconing ministry. And even before this, we were talking about some changes, but we were realizing we need to make sure that the people who are maybe broken in our congregation, who are aging, who are struggling with some addiction, who are walking through some illness or some life change, that we need to really listen to them. And our deacons have actually been working on processing how that works. We've created this new nurture deaconing thing that we're going, how do we listen better to our congregation? How do we hear? How do we pray for the people's needs? We had a, a lady who came here, and she's only been here one week. I don't see her this morning, neither first or second service. But she asked me on her way out one visit, and she said, I don't know her name even. I introduced myself, but I didn't know her name. She says, are you going to listen to the senior citizens of your church? Are you going to love them too? And I said, I, I think so. You know, I mean, it was a question that took me aback. First time in this, I said, I think so. Well, we're really working on that. 
One of the things we would hope that would characterize the next year is that we would become a church that listens, and certainly that has to do with our pastors and our elders. It has to do with what's going on around you, and it has to do with you listening to each other, realizing that we're a community of people who are playing into each other's lives, and what God's doing over here in this person is actually affecting profoundly someone over here. And these are important connections, right? We need to listen and hear and understand. My word for this, one kind of nuance of it, we need to grow wise in heart. Our elders have scheduled every month a time to pray with people, to hear what's going on in their life. And we hear some interesting things. We hear people who are talking who are sick. We hear people who are going through addiction. We hear people who are struggling through marriage issues or employment or financial. It's a long list. And, you know, don't look around you. But there's a lot of people in both of our services who have gone through this time. And some of our elders have actually asked for this time. Shelby and I asked for it at one point. We said, we need prayer. Could you all pray for us? We want to bring some things before you. And we want you to discern what's going on in our life. We can't do it alone. We need a community around. It's giving the elders the chance to listen and hear what's going on in individual families in our congregation. been a profoundly powerful time. The Church of the Brethren has had for a long time this service called an anointing service where we anoint people who are sick. And for years, centuries, literally, churches of the brethren have done this. Well, we've taken that and it's come to be much more than sickness, right? James 5 tells us to do this as elders. It's actually in the word and it asks us to believe in it. The early church believed in it. We do it. And my goodness, God has moved over and over and over again, sometimes in the most unexpected ways. Sometimes they're big and brilliant, cool ways. But other times we watch spiritual transformation, which is even more amazing than when God heals. What What's happening in those moments is that we're growing wiser in our hearts. We're listening to what's actually going on in people's lives, and then we're listening to the Spirit of God, and we're taking the Word, and we're going, "How? what, what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing in this family's life, and what would you do if you got free reign? And God has moved and done things across our congregation. Another thing is, I talked a little bit about this, is that we need to nurture those who are hurting. There are people in our congregation, and you hear them prayed for every Sunday morning, right? We just lifted up Kim Bainbridge, and Kim is looking for help, and there's all sorts of things that come up that we're trying to minister and bless in those families. And so God, God is enabling us to be people who listen. And I hope you hear that as a congregation, because on one hand, I want to admit that I'm not always the best listener. In fact, it's really hard to admit that. But, you know, I've had to really work at hearing some of you talk and I've had to work in my own family. That's just not something that comes easily. I think I know what somebody means before they get halfway through a sentence if I'm not careful. You ever catch yourself doing that? It's not listening anymore, right? After the first service, this lady came up to me and said, you need to listen to so-and-so over there. <laughs> she, she just grabbed me and said, you haven't listened to that person. I said, okay, I'm calling them tomorrow. They'll get listened to. And she said, okay, that's good. And on she went. So listening, that is one of our calls for this year. The next, uh, this is the next reference that, that Emily read for us. It's the end of Ephesians chapter 3. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You ever see that movie, um, Chris Van Allsburg wrote the book. It's called The Polar Express. You ever see that movie? 
There's that one little kid who comes from the wrong side of the tracks. Remember that little boy in the train waits for him, but he's not, he's not sure whether he wants to get on the train and go see Santa. He's not sure if he believes. Hopefully you're all past the stage where you believe in Santa, and I don't need to tell you that I don't believe in Santa. But this it's, it's about believing. And this little boy, he finally believes in, enough to get on the train, and then he goes through this whole experience, and there's all this believing that needs to go on. And, and he actually, the, the golden ticket that he's got, it's getting chipped away all throughout. And at the end, it's got a message for him. He's got to take it home and it says, believe, right? This, this reference that Emily read for us, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. We have a lot of great movies in our world. My kids have been kind of interested in Star Wars. Remember when Star Wars came out in 1970? I was three years old, by the way, in 1978. And, and it came out, and, you know, I, I remember seeing it for the first time, and it was just amazing, these ships going across. That was, there's movies like that. Jurassic Park was like that. The first time you saw a dinosaur lumber across the screen in a theater was one of those moments, right? Those are our imagination, and it's just let go. Can you imagine when this passage says, far more than you can think or imagine or ask, God is willing to work? Do we believe that God still wants to do more than we've seen? Do we believe that God is more interested in the people around us who are lost than we've ever been? That he's actually concerned that out there is a world of people who don't know him, who are going to be eternally separated? Do we believe that? God loves each person. In the Bible, it says in First John that he's not willing that any should perish. I think the people who don't believe that are God's people, but God believes it deeply. He believes passionately. Are we burning in our hearts for what burns in his heart? Are we, are we in tune, mind and heart, with our Father? This year, my prayer is that we become one in heart with God that we would truly start to focus out and we would start to look. This past week, I, I've been to the Fast Tags place I don't know how many times in my life. I hate that place. Nobody likes the, nobody likes to get their license renewed, right? I actually went to Reading for one of those and I left disgusted the first time I went there. It's just annoying. Well, our church, along with Coventry Church of the Brethren and Grace Covenant Church, went together and we found we, there's a single mom who reached out to us who she didn't have a car. And because she didn't have a car, she was losing her job. And because she was losing her job, she was likely to lose her apartment. And we realized this is, you know, this is what homelessness looks like, right? And what, how can we contribute? And the three, we didn't have enough money to just go buy a car for somebody. But we actually, each church wrote a check, and we bought a, a car for this woman. And I walked into that Fast Tags place last Friday, the first time I've ever been smiling when I walked in, with a check from our church. And this woman walked out of there with the title for a new car. It was amazing. And now she's going to be able to keep her job and be able to keep her. Just an amazing thought, you know. What burns inside of God's heart? And how do we get that thing inside of us? How do we go, okay, Lord, you're looking out here. You're looking spiritually at the needs. You're looking physically at the needs. But the Bible tells us that God is looking at both these. He's very much concerned for people who are in poverty. Become one in heart with God. How do we do that in this year? And do we believe that God is willing to work in us to the point where he's going to do more than we've ever asked or imagined? Are we going to believe? You know, we've developed, we're working on developing on deacons some new roles in ministry, some new things that we're trying to do that have to do with just enabling people within our church to take on new roles. We have a, a missions deacon for the first time. We're working on getting a new deacon role that actually is headed towards stewarding the moment when people walk into our church for the first time. How do we bless them and help them feel welcome? And then we're looking at deacons that are going to do things that are outside, uh, beyond the, the realm of this church. And I am deeply concerned that we get 
out in our mindset, that our hearts and our minds get enamored with what God's heart and mind are enamored with. Uh, there's a group of us early in the fall, or I guess maybe it was late in the summer, I'm not sure which, that got a call for, to move somebody who was in need of moving. And we, we were just blessed to be able to help them. I saw some guys' hearts start to burn for God when we started to serve. Last week we had a trip that went down to Tom's River for a disaster relief trip. Things like that get our hearts in a different place, and they get us beyond where we're at normally. We need those things in our lives to get us back to where God is, where God's heart is believing and burning and moving in us. So for this year, just to, to kind of sum up, and we're going to run out of time, and I want to be sure today, the first thing is I really want to see us grow connected, and I want you to ask yourself, how in the world is what's going on here affecting everybody else at Parker Ford Church? Do we believe that we're so connected that what God's doing in me is affecting everybody else? And am I really willing to commit to him what I need to in order to bless this body of believers that are surrounded? We are a family. We are a family. And God has put his name on us. And he has always known. And he's been working slowly at growing and developing us over the years. And God is blessing us with this congregation. We are Parker Ford Church, right? And are we listening to each other? Are we listening to those? But, you know, there's always people you gravitate towards in a room, right? My sister-in-law, she tells me she gravitates towards people who are hurting, and I watch her. She does. Then there are people who gravitate towards those who are confident and those who are wealthy and those who are not wealthy. It's, it's a long list. Are you only listening to the people who your heart gravitates towards? And are we doing that on our church leadership? Are we going and listening to everyone? Are we hearing the quieter voices or the things that maybe we don't have an ear for? Are we developing ears for those? So let's listen. And third, do we believe? Do we believe that God is still active in this place and he wants to do more than we've seen so far? I hope so. Join me in prayer.